I'd like to give just a word of explanation before we jump into our time in God's Word today. This is a little bit of shop talk as far as what teachers will oftentimes go through as they approach um, a preaching time like this, a study in God's Word. And so it might not be as interesting to you, but I thought it would be, would be helpful to share it at this time so you know a little bit of the challenges. One thing that I always seek for, and any teacher should seek for, is to be able to say before they teach something, do I really believe this? The word that we will hear oftentimes is authenticity. If we are not being authentic about something, oftentimes people in the listening group can tell that right away. Does this person really believe that? For me, I have a test in my head of afterwards, if individuals, maybe a couple talking together, would they say, do we really believe this? It's a good question to ask. It's a good challenge for us. And so as we jump into a section that we'll be talking about for the next several weeks, which is going to be on Christian warfare, the armor of God, there is something that draws me to pause because I want to be able to speak with authenticity. I want for you to believe what I'm saying. I want for you to know that this isn't a waste of our time. This is a time when we get together to open God's word so that we can go through what God has for us in a better way. Here are three challenges that I see personally as we approach this upcoming series. Challenge number one is this idea of how do I know if it's the devil or the flesh, or the world. We face temptation in this world. And there are three enemies that we have. Today we're going to be focusing in on the devil. But how do we know? Is it a blurry line between whether it was the devil that did this, or whether it was my own flesh that made me do that, or this fallen world system? We see all three of those taught through the scriptures. So when I talk about the devil today, there might be a temptation for somebody to say, is that really the devil? Or is that just my own flesh that's pulling me that way? Or something else. So that's one challenge. We won't cover that today. Another challenge as we approach this new topic is being able to tell the difference between these two truths that are both in the Bible. One is we have a God who is sovereign, We have a God who is in control of all things. So when something happens in your life that you might call a valley, bad stuff, whatever whatever you want to call it, we need to ask ourselves, is this a sovereign God or is this the God, lowercase g, of this world? We'll talk about that in a little bit. So what is it? Is it the devil attacking me or is it God allowing me to go through a refining process? so I can better serve him, which is it? I've heard people even in the past week talk about both sides of that. Look what God allowed to happen here or look what the devil made happen here. How do we know which is which when we're in spiritual warfare? And then the last one is this, and I'm gonna spend my time today trying to convince you of this because there is a call to alertness when we talk about spiritual warfare When you and I open to Ephesians chapter 6 and we see this, it's all over the place throughout. It is a call to be on guard. Don't be caught on your heels. There is something going on that is life or death. 
And even in the middle of this past week, I thought to myself, I'm not waking up with that kind of mindset. I wasn't nervous that the devil was right there to get me, sitting like a crouching lion behind the weeds, ready to pounce on me. I, I didn't walk like that at all this past week. And yet that is the flavor of what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to approach that last one today. I'd like for us to stop and bow one more time for prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we praise you that you have given us this. How beautiful that we can celebrate salvation. We can celebrate who you are, your son is, the Holy Spirit. How wonderful that we can join together in your plan for today, a group of called out ones, the local church. And we stand as blessed to be able to be in this place. God, I would ask that you would allow me to not get in the way. Hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. May the word of God be clear. May we be changed for it. In Jesus' name I pray these things, amen. If I were to ask you to be intentional this coming week about how many warnings you ignored, if I were to ask you to pay attention to it, how many warnings are you ignoring? I would submit if you were really looking for it, you would get maybe into the dozens as far as how many warnings you have maybe heard, maybe noticed, but you've kind of moved past them. You have deemed that they weren't that important. I had an experience like this in my parenting just recently this week, unfortunately, and I was talking to my daughter, and as we were talking just yesterday, I said, hey, listen to this. I had a news story that I wanted to read to her, and I thought it was interesting, and I thought she might even get a chuckle out of it, and so I started to read this news story to her, and I wasn't looking at her when I was reading it, but when I got done, I could tell that she wasn't paying very close attention. I could just tell that. I did not warrant you know, that attention at that time. But I found out why right away. She let me know. Typically, when you read, want to read something from the news, it's something about a car accident so you can drive safer, or it's something about a kidnapping, and that's why you guys always have a tight leash on us, or some kind of a danger that happens. So as soon as I said, hey, let me read this news story for you, she kind of turned me off a little bit, kind of turned me off wasn't really paying attention. Oftentimes, when we go to someone that we're able to influence, we will give a warning. We will raise a red flag. And it's just a fact of life that sometimes when you hear a warning again and again, sometimes the response, even though most people are respectful, they don't say it out loud, the response is kind of, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. We've heard that before. And yet if someone genuinely loves another, they won't stop giving that warning, will they? They will say, this is a real danger. And so you need to pay attention to the possibility of pain. You need to understand what can come. Having said that, I would wonder, among the group that is listening to this message today, I wonder this. I wonder if there's anybody who last night you were not able to sleep soundly because of the fact that you thought that your house and our country was going to be invaded by a foreign government, maybe a foreign military power. 
I wonder if there are any who laid awake all night just wondering if the door was going to be kicked in and if some soldiers that didn't speak your language came and took over your house. Now, I cannot speak with absolute authority on this, but my guess is, is there aren't too many that were awake all night because of this. And I want to suggest that there are some factors that have been put in place that lead to the possibility of you sleeping more soundly without fear of attack from the enemy. There are some things in place, and I'm going to read a few off. Some you might say, amen, I like that. Some you might say, boo, not crazy about that. Here are some constants that I want for us to think of and remember when that lead to us being able to have a peaceful rest so we don't have fear of attack from an enemy. Our military in place, and hopefully all of us would say, amen, we are thankful for a good military. I know two young men that are going to be going off this fall and serving in the military. I'm thankful for those who choose to do that. I'm thankful for those who choose to give their life to serving in that way. And I think that leads in in, in an effective way to me being able to not have to worry about a foreign country kicking down my door this coming night. Our intelligence agencies, and maybe some of you can talk about this. I've heard individuals say if we knew half of the possible attacks that were potential out there that our intelligence agencies are heading off, we wouldn't wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. I'm thankful for our intelligence agencies. How about the taxes that we pay? Are you thankful for taxes? Don't shake your head too quickly. I would suggest to us that the reason that we can sleep in peace, in peace at night oftentimes is going to be because of those taxes that we are paying that lead to our military, our police. So don't complain too much about taxes. You can complain a little bit about taxes, but not too much about taxes. And then even men and women working in politics. We're in an election season right now. Sometimes we get tired of the mailers for who's running for office. Or we get tired of talking about it even. But we should be thankful for the men and women that are serving in politics because all of those things lead us to a place to where we don't have to worry necessarily about someone kicking in our door at night. Maybe you would add to this list what makes you feel relatively secure about that. Most of us don't think too often about these constants in our life. But I want to talk to us today about the dangerous place that every Christian is in. And I am not exaggerating for effect here. The dangerous place that every Christian is in and God's battle plan, not just to keep us safe, but God's plan to help us to be effective in the place where he has put us. And that's what we want. Not just to get through this world. Let me suggest to you that when God saved you, he did not take you right to heaven right away. And the reason is, is because he has a plan for you to do something here in this world. Along with that plan comes this. We are in a war. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in a war, whether you know it or not. I'm going to make a strong case that many of us have been blinded to much of the dangers. All that to bring us to our text. If you're not already there, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6 in your Bibles. 
If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you do not um, own a Bible for yourself, please take that Bible that's in the pew rack, keep it for your very own. That's a gift from us to you. We wanna make sure anybody that attends our church has a Bible that they can always have and turn to. So keep that as a gift. Ephesians chapter six, let me review just a small amount. In chapters one through three of Ephesians, and this is very intentional by the Apostle Paul, in chapters one through three of Ephesians, Paul tells us who we are and who God is. You're not going to be able to fight the battle sufficiently unless you know who you are. Unless you know who your God is. And so very, very practical, very deep as far as what our salvation is, the power that's available to us, how God loved us from before we were born. And then in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians, it tells us the more practical part, how to walk. I don't have to work very hard at the applications over these last several weeks. It's right there. God tells us how to walk in this world. And so very practically, in the area of marriage, do you think that the devil would love to upset the marriage of a man and woman that belong to Jesus Christ? How about parenting? Do you think the devil would love to just cause all kinds of havoc with parents Get them to the point where they don't know what to do? Maybe in your workplace. It's very, very practical in these last three chapters. And now we come to the closing of our study. We'll spend a few weeks on this. But if I can just give this illustration, I think it's almost like a a pep talk, like a locker room pep talk. Some of you were in sports uh, maybe years ago. Maybe you're in sports right now. And you've been able to get a pep talk from the coach right before the game. Or maybe you've seen a movie or a TV show where that pep talk is there. And of course, in those TV shows and movies, they can play the perfect kind of music that gets you just pumped up about the upcoming game, that pep talk. Let's look at verse number 10 to start of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we find here a short verse, but there is a lot that is packed into Ephesians 6.10. It is only through the Lord's strength that we're going to be able to, and this is key, to stand on our feet while we're going through this battle. It is only because of the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're going to be able to fight in this ongoing battle. I want to challenge you with something today. I want to challenge you, because of Ephesians chapter 6 here and other relating verses, other chapters, other places in the Bible, I want to challenge you to not fall for the lie that the devil is just a small hindrance that's over here. A small hindrance. Maybe we can do something small and just kind of get rid of him. I'm going to challenge us that that is part of his strategy. If he can get you to think that he is unimportant and ineffective, even if he can cloak himself in some way, put himself behind something. By the way, sometimes the devil will put himself behind not something evil, but behind something that might even be a good thing in order to have some kind of a negative impact on your life. We need to guard against thinking that the devil is just a small hindrance in our life. We need to understand the danger that is there. 
I had an episode this past week where I found out that we had some bees around our house and so I went hunting. That's about the most hunting that I do. I go hunting for bees, sometimes mice I'll go hunting for. And so I went and got my bee spray and I knew a couple places where they were and when I'm out, I'm, I'm not scared to get stung by a bee, especially when I've got some you know, poison in my hand to spray them with, but oftentimes that bothers them a little bit. When I found out that one of the major nests was in our basketball hoop, which is movable, I laid that basketball hoop down like this. And when I clunked it on the concrete driveway, some of those bees came to life. I was spraying in there where their nests were, and it was foaming up, and it was getting them. But there were several that got out. And then it was on at that point, right? (laughs) And so as I saw one bee and he was coming at me, What I did was I backed myself up against the garage. I closed the garage door, put my back against the garage, so I think that part's relatively safe, and I've got my spray, which that's not intended to use that way, to spray it at the bees. It's meant to get the nests. I felt fairly safe and secure if I could get my back there and I can keep my eye on this one bee that's right there, and then a second one came, and then they divided, so I couldn't watch them both at the same time without crossing my eyes. I didn't get stung. I knocked out those nests as best I could. I was confident when I could see them. I want to challenge you with this today. Our adversary is so tricky. He is so clever because he has had thousands of years to perfect his method. He is not some small hindrance that is flying around that you should feel safe being able to see that and knowing where it's at. You need to be intentional about knowing the danger of our enemy. You need to understand that there is nothing of yourself that you are able to do to hold off his attacks. This section, in this section, the Apostle Paul drives home that we must guard against thinking that we can hold our own. And if I ask you to think about it just for a short time, you probably could come up with a list of things that you do that make you think you can hold your own. Maybe my finances allow me to hold my own in some attacks from the devil. Can I suggest to you that if you're putting your trust in your finances, you are in for a rude awakening? Perhaps my intelligence, that's going to, give me a place to hold my own against the attacks of the devil. Maybe my experience, that's going to help me hold off the devil. There is no level of power that you and I can muster up to be effective against our enemy. And the Apostle Paul is urging us here to be strong. But that's not enough. The words be strong isn't complete. We have to finish it where it says, be strong in who? The Lord. Be strong in the Lord. What kind of power are you going to need? I've already mentioned it's nothing you can muster up on your own. What kind of power are we going to need as God's children to have an impact in holding off the devil, in having victory, in being able to stand at the end of the day when he has poured on his attacks, and he will. I don't want you to think that I'm exaggerating. But I think it is well within the mark 
to say that the power that you need is the exact same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. We celebrate an empty tomb. We look at that and we put our hope in the empty tomb and what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that he's in heaven today interceding on our behalf. And the same power that would overcome death for us and would conquer sin, it's the same power you need when you come up against the devil. You need that. You need to understand the foe that we have. The cosmic powers that we wrestle against, they know nothing of mercy. There has not been written a Geneva Convention between heaven and hell where the devil's going to stop or any of his demons, they're going to say, oh my goodness, look at that one screaming for mercy there. I better hold off a little bit. We as humans think that way. The devil knows nothing of moral principles. He has no code of honor in when he attacks you. And so absolutely no mercy will be found with his demons as they are on the offensive. And I don't want to discourage anybody. I promise it gets better when we get to the end of the message here. As the demons attack both day and night. There's no mercy that will be shown and the offensive never stops. Now let me mention this really quick. Oftentimes, I mentioned I had two uh, individuals that I know that are going in the military. One's a family member. One of my first thoughts when someone joins the military is what branch are they going in and specifically what are they going to be doing? Because honestly, I think differently about it And probably I pray for them a little bit differently if I know that they're going to be going into some kind of action, into some kind of combat. And there are some that train for that, right? I talked to a friend of mine who is a dad of someone that was in the military, and his son was actually a medic in the military. But he found himself in these places of combat. The story that he would tell his dad about the bullets whizzing, he could hear them whizzing over his head. And so when I hear someone's going in the military, I wonder, are they going to be in combat? Are they going to be in grave danger? And I say all that to tell you this. Every one of us, as a child of God, is in combat, okay? The the picture that we get here is it's a wrestling match, and every one of us is in it. Nobody gets to be the coach. You're in it. You are fighting, Every one of us has that up against us. Let's look in verse number 11 where it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, oftentimes in church world and in the Christian world, there are some phrases that we use that they, they seem like Christian talk, right? That's Christian jargon. We'll say some lines sometimes And it sounds like a great Christian line. Man, that'll preach. But what exactly does that mean? And we find some great line here in verse number 11. Be strong in the Lord. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We have a responsibility to jump in and to know exactly what that means. Paul gets specific for us. Praise the Lord. Paul gets specific. 
I can't tell you how many times I've been studying something in God's word and I see kind of a principle that's given and I turn the page and it's done. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had Paul's commentary on this. I wish something more was said. Well, thankfully, when it says here, put on the whole armor of God, Paul gives us the specifics of how we can do this. First of all, we need to understand that it's not a physical battle. Nobody's surprised by this, but you need to remind yourself of it. It is, spirit, it is a spiritual battle, therefore the victory must be won in a spiritual way. God has given us a protective uniform that needs to be worn, and if you're taking notes, some of you need to write this one down. God has given us a protective uniform that needs to be worn every day. And that's tough. How many things do you do every day? right? A discipline, something here. Maybe I skip Saturday. Maybe I don't do it for three days and I'm okay. And I'm talking about a spiritual uniform. So you can't just put on part of the spiritual uniform every day. I am trying to raise the alert. Do not ignore the alarm. You need to put on every piece of this this protective uniform every day. Or else, you need to be well aware that that picture of the devil as a lion crouching behind the weeds ready to pounce, that's where he's going to attack. You leave off one piece of the armor, that's where he's going to attack. He's not going to shoot for where you are well fortified at all. He's going to look for the Saturday when you don't put on this piece of protective equipment and he's going to tell his demons hey hang on till Saturday jump in there attack him there so when I say we need to put on every piece of the protective uniform every day it's a discipline I know but it's been done it's been done by so many strong believers for so long because this is one of the themes in God's word that we refer to often Spiritual warfare, the whole armor of God. And Christians, okay, this is, this is great. Are you ready? This is some good news. I know I've been raising the alarm. Christians who are aware of this and are putting on the protective uniform every day, they are not the ones who are lying awake at night nervous about the devil. I started by telling you one of my challenges. This past Wednesday, I got up and I thought, I'm not nervous about the devil jumping on me today. Can I really preach this series if I'm not nervous about the devil today? There are spiritual disciplines, just as the devil has a strategy, and we're going to look at that in a second. The devil has a strategy. He has methods, and he's very, very tricky, smarter than you and smarter than me, But who is smarter than the devil? God. My God is smarter. And he has not left us in a place where we have this incredible foe to where we have to try to figure it out. Swat. God has given us the answer. It is so beautiful. And if you have a discipline of putting on the spiritual armor every day, you do not have to walk in fear of the devil. In fact, the Bible says Satan will 
flee from you. Right? This is the truth, and this should give us encouragement. Look at verse number 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we cannot touch Satan physically. He has ways of attacking us that are very, very hard to detect, and he's had thousands of years to perfect it. And I want to suggest to us that one of his most effective tools is when he gets you to the place where you are not thinking about his power and about the danger. When he gets you to the place where you maybe don't even think he exists at all. I'm not saying you're worried about him regular. I'm saying you don't even think that he's got anything to do with anything in your life. Now, since verse 12 is pretty explicit in its description, let's talk about our enemy just for a minute. The word devil, a common name that we call him. It means accuser. This has been a fun exercise that I've done over the years. I've asked the question among small groups. The devil is not omnipresent, right? He's not in all places at all times. He's got to be in one location. Now, I think he's very, very fast, and he's got lots of demons working for him, but he's not omnipresent. So if the devil can be in one location at a time, what's the location that he would choose to be in? And I love hearing the feedback from people. He'd be in Washington, D.C., I've heard people say. He'd be in Hollywood, I've heard people say. Where is the United Nations? Where would the devil spend his time? Or Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 tells us this. Now, this is in the future, but it tells us where he's at now. For the accuser of our brothers, brothers has been thrown down who, what's it say, accuses them day and night before God. Understand that our enemy has been allowed some access into heaven. And I think we see that in Job chapter 1 where he is accusing the brethren before God. And as he's going before God and day and night, the Bible says, giving this evil report against you, and is maybe some of it true? I don't want you to confess your sins to me right now, but, you know, he's a liar but he's probably got some pretty good information on some of us to report to God. But having said that, when the devil comes and he accuses us, Satan will point oftentimes to our sins. And when Satan goes before God and points to our sins, where do you think God points the devil back to? The cross. He would point back to the cross where the work was done. The victory was secured. By the way, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Keep that in mind as we go through this series. Satan hates God. He hates all that God is. And if you have experienced the mercy of God, he hates that. He has not experienced God's mercy. But if you're saved today, then you have experienced it. Romans 8.33 says this, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
can you connect those two? Revelations 12.10 and Romans 8.33. Who will bring a charge against you? It is God who justifies. What court could they possibly charge you in? Everything is mine, God has said. And he points the devil back to the cross. And if you've been forgiven today and know Christ as your Savior, that is what you have going for you. And that's why you stand tall. Not because you were so smart to resist temptation. It's because when God the Father looks at you, he sees you as perfect and clean and white because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. And that's why he takes us in. How beautiful the plan of our Father is. And the devil would go before him and try to convince him and it would fall on deaf ears with our God. But as the accuser has that ammunition and God does not believe it, let me ask this question. Who sometimes would believe the accusations of the devil? You and me, right? We fall for it sometimes. He might say something like, you can't possibly think that God could use you. Who do you think you are? That from your history? God can't use that. Don't you think that's going to come out? And the devil would use guilt and shame. The devil used the Bible to make you doubt God's goodness, that he is enough. He's also called the tempter. He's called the father of all lies. He's compared to a lion, as we've already said, an angel of light. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls the devil the God, lowercase g, of this world. Satan Satan has more than one method. Now, we've spent most of our time today talking about the dangerous place. And I don't want you to lay awake at night because I want you to know that there is a danger out there, but we have an answer that God has given. And we're going to spend time talking about this. God has left us with a 100% effective plan for how we are to go through this world, putting on the full armor of God. Now, I'm going to give you some statements here as we close, and these are areas where you might be vulnerable. This is a preview to what we're going to be talking about, to the armor of God, and I've put these in very, in very practical sentences. How might you be vulnerable? What steps might you need to take in your specific life? And every one of us is different, right? You struggle differently than I do. You struggle differently than that one does. We're all different. Pay attention. And let me give these for us here. Number one, I might be vulnerable to Satan's attack if any part of my worldview is in opposition to God's word. I don't have time to expand on this, what your worldview is, but your philosophy of life. If you're allowing a part of your philosophy of life to be contrary to the Bible, you are vulnerable to attack. Next, I am vulnerable to Satan's attack if I am lacking in morality in my daily walk. And I'm not saying that perfection is demanded in your daily walk, but I'm letting you know if you have a practice of something that is immoral, that is against what God has told us, you are vulnerable to attack. You should not be sleeping soundly at night if you are walking in in a way that you're lacking in your morality. 
Next, if I'm vulnerable to Satan's attack, if I'm counting on anything besides my relationship with Christ to give me the peace that I have in life. If you're counting on anything else to give you peace besides Christ, and that's a big, big definition there. And we can sneak all kinds of things in there to give me peace in this section. We need to be completely dependent upon God for our peace because everything else can fall away. Next, I'm vulnerable to Satan's attack if I'm content to allow fear or shame or guilt or pride to have a consistent place in my life. And this is a list that I narrowed down. These are very common, though. If you allow one of these to have a consistent place in your life, you are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Next, and this is going to seem odd to some, and a lot of people... They, they count this out. I'm vulnerable to Satan's attack if a continual appreciation for and assurance of the gospel isn't foundational to everything else. We do not take Jesus Christ and add him to our life. He needs to be foundational to everything that we are. And if he is not, we are vulnerable to attack. And then finally, I'm vulnerable to Satan's attack if there is not a love and a passion for God's word in my life. And I'm, I'm intentional about that word, passion for God's word. I've used that for years as I've prayed for my own children. Not, this, not just that they would read the Bible, but they would be passionate about the Bible. See how important it is. These are some areas where we might be vulnerable to attack. Now, I started today by trying to get your attention, trying to get you to not tune out the warnings, because sometimes what happens? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if I'm going to be completely transparent with you today, I need to tell you this. I was home visiting uh, my family in Illinois a few weeks ago. And as I was down there and interacted with my mother and had a great time visiting, and I was leaving, I was leaving from my mom, and my mom said something. I've heard her say it many, many times before. As I was leaving to drive from Illinois back up to Michigan, my mom said, drive safe, like that. And just so you know that I'm not a liar, what was in my head most likely was blah, blah, blah. Why? I'm in my prime of driving right now. Are you kidding me? Drive safe? Why would she waste her breath until this grown adult drives safe? Why? Why, grandmas and moms, why? Because she wants me to drive safe because she knows the dangers that are there, right? Pay attention. Pay attention. Now, I don't need to apologize to my mother, and I did drive safe on that trip, but I want to suggest to you that every one of us is vulnerable to this. And so when you hear a word like the devil, can I suggest to you, don't just sweep it away. But also, you do not need to lay awake in fear of the devil if, there's an if-then clause in this, you do not need to lay awake, you do not need to walk throughout your day for fear of attack from the devil if you are taking the whole protective armor that God has given us. Do you know how much God loves you? to not leave you in a world where you are so vulnerable to this incredible foe 
He's given you exactly what you need for victory. What it's going to come down to, and some of you are looking for this, because God wins in the end, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you've read to the end, he wins. Praise the Lord for that. But what it comes down to for you and me for this week is, am I going to be a part of being effective in adding to that victory? Or am I just one that's just saying, God, take me home now. Can't wait to fly away. Make it today. And I don't mind if he comes back today, but if he doesn't, I want to be one of the ones that's making a difference. I want my life to count for my God so that we can get those crowns. What are we going to do with those crowns? Cast them, cast them back at Jesus' feet. That is a reason that God has you in the world today. Let's pray. Father, how wonderful to look to you and to see with the battle that is going on, not that is over there, but that we are in the middle of. Father, I have no idea what might have come into the minds of some listening to this message as far as the attacks of the devil, where he's got a stronghold here. God, I thank you, though, that we do not have to fear everyone Everyone that is your child is fighting from, fighting from victory. I thank you for this. I thank you for the blessing of being your child. I thank you for the recipe that you've given us to have victory, that I don't have to lay in bed awake at night worried about the devil. What I need to do is see what you have given us, put on that armor, and then watch what you will do. God, I would ask that you would not allow me to be on my heels to be knocked over easily. And God, we know sometimes we do get knocked down. Oh God, how many, how many here have been knocked down? And we praise you that the word of God encourages us that a just man falls seven times and rises yet again. I thank you, God, that you allow us to do this and that your mercy and your patience and your grace is everlasting. We cannot exhaust it the forgiveness that we enjoy because when you look at us, even when we know, we know ourselves, you look at us as washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I praise you for this. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Ron to play through a stanza on the piano. As he does, this is a chance for you to pray. I don't know what God has laid on your heart, but talk to God about whatever that is. If you are here today, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, even where you're sitting, you can say, God, forgive me of my sins and make me your child. Maybe he's working in your heart to pull you to himself today. Pray that prayer while the music plays.